always talk about the choreography of the Holy Spirit, God working behind the scenes to help us discover and embrace Him. We meet people who've had an experience with God, or we turn on the radio and hear a sermon or a talk about God. Perhaps the crazy circumstances of the days we live in make us think that there must be more to this life. Maybe you look into the skies at night and feel what the Bible calls the glory of God. Or maybe you just feel something stirring inside of you that makes you call out to God. Someone once said that God moves in mysterious ways His wonders to perform. God says He will be discovered by anyone who searches for Him with all of His or her heart. God wants you to discover Him. And if you're already a follower of Jesus Christ, He wants to use you to help others discover Him. Jesus calls this being a witness of Him. We are praying that a whole lot of discovery will happen through the people of our church. Here now is Pastor Allen with part two of his series, Conversions. Click, 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 click. I could hear my parents in the other room using a handheld tally counter as they recited mantras. Click, click, click. In one day in our home, the counter might reach a thousand clicks, which meant two hours of meditation. Click. They chanted in order to clear their minds and to purify themselves, seeking perfect enlightenment in the way of the Buddha. This morning, I want to share the story of Alexander Chu, who was raised Buddhist. Alexander Chu says, I came to America to get the ideal education, and I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana. Now, my dorm was full of fervent Christians, all part of the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. They were students who had a devotion for God. They shared a bond and loved each other deeply. And they seemed to radiate love like nothing I'd ever experienced or anything I'd ever seen before. And they worshiped God as though they knew who he was. They sang songs to him and praised him. And he said, I was so touched and moved by this love and by this personal relationship They said, I decided to join a gig, G-I-G, Groups Investigating God. I like that. He said, I wanted to discover God. I wanted to know who he was. I wanted to know who it was that these devout Christians were worshiping. Who is he? Now, before I tell you the rest of the story, which you are going to hear in bits and pieces through my message this morning, I want to ask you a question. If you're a believer today, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to ask you, how did you finally discover God? What were the events involved in your discovery of God? Because here's what I know. For a lot of people, they grew up in the church, 
And they think that because their parents were Christians and their grandparents and great-grandparents were Christians, that therefore they are Christian too. And I want you to know something this morning. Just because your parents are Christians or your grandparents or great-grandparents are Christians doesn't automatically mean that you are. We talked about that last week. We said that it's important for you to have your own personal relationship with God. That at some point, God is confronting you and putting you in a place where you have got to say, yes, Lord, or no, Lord, I'm not interested. Last week, we discovered that, in fact, you did not find God, but God found you. You heard people say that, I, I found, he found God, she, she found God. No, nobody finds God, God finds you. In fact, at the very core of the Christian faith, if you really wanna know what our faith is about, at the very core of it is this fact. Jesus Christ came to this earth to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus said that about himself. This is not just implied in Scripture. This is not theologians getting together and studying the Scripture, scratching their head and trying to figure out what's it all about. Jesus came to this earth and said it very succinctly, very precisely, very bluntly. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. And here's what you need to know today. Because whether you've given your heart to Christ or not, or whether you've got a loved one, a child, a parent, a friend who's not come to Christ yet, here's what you need to know. The God of the universe loves your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your child, your friend, your boss, your neighbor, more than you ever, ever, ever can or will. And that's why he sent his son to seek and to save your lost loved one. And if you're here today and you haven't put your faith in God yet, and remember, just because you grew up in church doesn't mean that you are a believer yet, then I'm gonna tell you this, that God is seeking you. And he ain't gonna give up until you say, I give. Or as we used to say, uncle, that's God. Spurgeon called God the hound of heaven. He just keeps on going after until he finds you. And he does it because of his great love for you. Now, last week we talked about the parable of the, the 99 sheep and how Jesus leaves the 99 sheep and then goes looking for the one who was lost. Do you know I was lost? And Jesus came looking for me. Anybody else like that today? You were lost and Jesus came looking for you and he found you. One of the pictures, enduring pictures from my childhood that I remember was of a little sheep that was stuck on a, on a craggy cliff and there's this the shepherd with his staff reaching down to rescue that little sheep. That's an image that has stuck with me forever. How many, anybody ever seen that one? It's a very, very old, old picture. Beautiful picture. 
Jesus leaves the 99 to go find the one. Jesus, we discovered last week, is on the search, and he's going to keep on searching, keep on looking, until the day that you discover him, or we've got to put it a different way, until he finds you. I got to tell you, when I discovered God, or or when he found me, I couldn't believe how lucky I was. My sister's here. She remembers it because we, we found God around the same time. And I know some of you are saying, lucky? You're lucky to find God? You can't use the word lucky. You're blessed. Okay, blessed, whatever you want to say. But I literally felt like I'd won the lottery. I felt my sins were completely washed away. I felt that the slate was clean. I felt like I could fly. I felt so light. So I had peace and I had happiness. Yes, and I had that as a child. Everything was now good in my world because Jesus had found me. Or as we might say, I discovered God. Now, Jesus shares a number of parables to help us understand this discovery process. I'm not going to share all of them with you today, but I'd like to share two of them with you. He shares these parables to help us understand what goes on so that you and I discover God or so that God can find us. The first parable is what we call the parable of the seeds. And it's found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 to 9. Or 4 to 9, pardon me. Listen, Jesus says, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. Everybody knows that nothing grows on a footpath. Other seed... Jesus says, fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon withered under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. And still other seed fell on fertile fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. This farmer is that person who is sharing the gospel. I think of the farmers in my life that came sharing the gospel. What is the gospel, by the way? Very simply, it's the good news. That's what gospel means. It means good news. It's the good news that God loves us and wants to forgive us, and he wants to transform us by his power simply by putting our faith in Jesus. How many know today you can't win God's favor? Do you know that yet? You cannot earn your way into heaven. There's only one way, Jesus says, and it's through him. So you say, well, what do you have to do, pastor? Because I want to do that. I want to see heaven. Jesus says, all you have to do is put your faith in him. 
and say, Jesus, I believe that when you died on the cross, you died on the cross for my sin because I needed it. Faith in Jesus. And when you do that, the Bible says that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you with all your sin and all your failings and all your miserable, miserable mess-ups. What does he see? He sees Jesus, his son. There's four kinds of soil represented here. First of all, there's the unresponsive soil. For many, many years, my grandmother was very unresponsive to the gospel. Again, some of my family members are here. You understand exactly what I'm talking about. I remember sharing my faith with my grandmother. And rather than saying, I'm so glad you're, you're on the right track, you're doing well. I, I, I was following God, had a clean lifestyle, wasn't doing anything bad. And you know what? That didn't make her happy. I think she would have been happier if I wasn't following Jesus and getting drunk and going to parties and doing whatever. That's, to me, it seemed that that would have made her happier. But you see, here's the problem, is that she, her heart was like the footpath. There's no, the seed could not penetrate that path. She was terribly unresponsive. And some of you today maybe are like that yourself. Maybe you're here this morning, someone dragged you to church, you didn't really want to be here, and you're thinking, oh my, did someone tell the pastor about me? And the answer is no. Maybe you're feeling like, man, there's, there's people in my life, they're just so hostile to God, so hostile to the truth. There, there's no way are they ever going to listen to what I've got to say. Unresponsible, unresponsive, and irresponsible. And then there's the shallow soil. We call that the superficial heart. The seed hits that soil, oh, they're hallelujah, praise the Lord. They got bumper stickers on their car. They got every version of the Bible. You know what I'm talking about. Sing all the songs in church. And uh, pastor, I'm gonna be involved and let me get, but I'm gonna sing in the praise and worship. I'm gonna play the guitar and let me preach a sermon once in a while. Like they're just so excited and it's like, but then suddenly something goes wrong and it's not quite right. And the next thing you know, it's over. I can't tell you how often I see that. Superficial. And then there's the thorny soil. That's the one who says, yeah, I like Christianity. I like what the pastor's saying. It kind of makes sense. I think I'm going to go to church. I think I want part of that. But then something happens. A crisis happens. and They've got maybe a financial problem or something doesn't go right. Problem at work, a problem with the neighbors. And next thing you know, they're caught up with the things of this world. And now suddenly spiritual matters are not even being considered. Next thing you know, it's over. I see that all the time. And then there's the receptive one, whose heart is open, who says, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. I needed this. And like Alexander too, opens her heart to receive from God. Now, before I leave this, I gotta tell you something. Because some are here today thinking, oh, well, my kids have got unresponsive soil. There's no chance. Their hearts are unresponsive. They're not open. There's no chance. And so I may as well just give up. That's the worst thing you can do. My grandmother, we prayed for grandma, Kathleen, remember? All, like, all our lives, we prayed for grandma that she would come to Christ. Unresponsive, sarcastic, cynical, no pie in the sky, she would say. 
And by the way, there is no pie in the sky. But on her deathbed, when suddenly she was confronted with an eternity with or without God, it was there that I was able to lead her to Christ. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, maybe I'll just do it Pastor Allen's grandma did. I'll just wait till I'm facing death and then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll live like crazy until that day. You, you got no guarantee that you're going to be able to do this. So if I were you, I'd get it sorted out right here and right now. But if you're here today and you've got a, a child, a, a loved one, a friend, a, a relative that you've been praying for, can I just say this? Don't give up. Just keep on praying. Keep on being a witness. And the day will come when they'll finally say, yeah, I get it like my grandma did. Don Davidson, one of our elders, I love his story. Grew up going to church. His mom, my mom loved him, and he was involved in serving, and then all of a sudden, he started having some problems. Some of you have heard his story. And then one day, he just quit going to church altogether, and then the next thing you know, he said, I'm, I'm sitting at home with a bottle of Jack Daniels, sipping it with a straw. Okay, the way you might sip a Coke, <laughs> it's like Jack Daniels. And he's going deeper and deeper and deeper into a pit. And his mother's at home praying, praying, and praying, and praying. And then one day, someone invited him to go to church and sing in the choir because they heard he had, got a, he had a nice voice, and he's got a beautiful voice. And he's sitting in this church. I'm not going to tell you which church. But he's sitting in church, and singing, he's enjoying himself, and then one day the pastor decides he's going to preach a sermon on the attributes, on the good things about Kermit the Frog. Excuse me, where is that in the Bible? As he's sitting there listening to the sermon on the attributes of Kermit the Frog, he hears a voice in his heart, in his head, and and the voice says, Don, you know better than this. So that was his last Sunday at that church. I won't tell you which church it is. It's on Broadway, but. <laughs> I'm not telling you which one. You'll have to figure it out yourself. I think there's only one. Um, Don went to Calvary Temple and sang in their choir. And next thing you know, he heard the truth. And whereas before his heart was what we would call a superficial reception of Christ, now we've got the fertile soil receptive. Now Don's an elder in our church, producing 30, 60, 100 fold. That's why you have to share your faith, folks. That's why you have to be a witness. That's why you gotta tell people about what Christ has done in your life. Chu said, I found that contrary to the media's portrayal of Christianity as narrow, crazy, judgmental, he said Christianity was the most intellectually stimulating worldview I had ever encountered. How many of you have heard that Christianity is dull and stupid and judgmental and crazy and narrow? This young man, a Buddhist, very, very intelligent, 
come to this country, and now is confronted with a worldview that absolutely astounded him. And it wasn't just that it was so intellectually stimulating and satisfying, but it touched his heart. He saw love in action, and he knew that whatever these other students had, he had to have it. So here's what he did. He said, I started reading John Stott's, John Stott's pamphlet called Becoming a Christian, which I picked up at an intervarsity Christian fellowship gathering. By the way, IVCF is a, is a Christian student union. It's in most universities. He says, while reading, I grew convinced of my sin and my need to be forgiven. Suddenly he realized that his heart needed to be made right with God. And he said, while reading, I grew more and more convinced. And I, finally, I drove to an open forest area that night and I knelt down on the grass beneath the stars and I committed my life to Christ. Young man, grew up Buddhist, many, many generations of Buddhists. He said, I'd grown up in a sea of deities, yet never had a relationship with any of them. It was click, 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 meditations, meditations, mantras, mantras, mantras. He said, on that day that I knelt before God, I experienced the living God, Emmanuel, which means God with us. In that moment of surrendering my life to Christ, he said, a peace overtook me as I gazed at the sky. That night, I became the first Christian in my family lineage, the first one to say yes to God. By presenting the gospel in a profound and simple way, Stott's booklet had sealed my conversion. But listen to this. He says, over a dozen believers had led me up to that point. More than 12 farmers sowed seed into my heart. Isn't that interesting? I'm gonna tell you something, folks. This is, I might offend some of you. It's not my intention. My intention is to tell you what the Bible says. That's my calling. Your job and my job is not just to come to church on Sunday and sing nice songs and, and feel all warm and cuddly and cozy and fuzzy-wuzzy. That's not what Christianity is about. It is wonderful to come and sing songs. Christianity is not all about listening to the latest YouTube video clip from the latest and greatest preacher and teacher and reading the latest and greatest books and listening to all the sermons on... You've heard me say this many times. Listen to the greatest and latest sermons on TV and on the radio and buying the books and so on and so forth. All of that is wonderful, but I'm gonna tell you, when Jesus left this earth, he left these simple instructions. He said, Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Go and make disciples. Go teach people to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. If you want to ask me what's wrong with Christianity in North America, I'll tell you, is that we are very, very religious. 
but we've completely forgotten what God's called us to do. Thank you, John. One amen. Or was that you, Matt? When's the last time you invited somebody to church? When's the last time you shared your testimony with somebody? But Pastor L, I'm scared silly. I can't share my faith with anybody. I can't tell anybody of Christ because I don't I haven't been to Bible school. Guess what? None of the disciples have been to Bible school either. Yeah, but they hung out with Jesus for three years. Ah, that's right. You've been hanging out with Jesus? Has your life been transformed by Christ? If your life has been transformed by Christ and you've been hanging out with Jesus, then you have got something to share. And there's a whole world out there that's simply waiting for you to do your job. They're waiting for you to share what Jesus has done for you. Like Alexander Chu, surrounded by, farm, by farmers, people witnessing, sharing their faith. Listen to this. He said, I had heard the gospel both through the message and its messengers. In other words, he said, I heard and I saw. How many of you today, if anybody was looking at how you live your life and how how you speak to people would see Jesus in you. He said, these messengers embodied the word of God in their lives. Over a dozen farmers had planted the seed. Now, I'm gonna ask you this. Who are the farmers in your life that got you to the place where you said yes to God? I'm gonna follow Jesus. I can tell you who the farmer was in my life that got me to the place where I gave my life to Christ. And it's not terribly profound. It's very simple. With my mom. My mom and dad were not attending church at that time. But my mom knew that we needed to get to church. And so my mom faithfully brought us to Boys Brigade on on Monday nights. And it was there in the Boys Brigade that I said yes to Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. Who's a farmer in your life that got you to this place? And don't you think it's time for you to be a farmer? Don't you think it's time for you to start planting some seeds? In fact, here's the thing. I believe that anybody who calls himself or herself a Christian will be witnessing and sharing and sowing seed wherever they go. I believe it's the evidence that you are, in fact, a Christian. If you're not sharing your faith with anybody, then I have to simply ask you this question. Do you really know what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Those are hard words, Pastor. I didn't expect to be beat up this morning. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. Because everybody has got their notions about the way things should be, but now I'm telling you what the Bible says. And what I'm telling you is not negotiable. It's not debatable. It's what the Bible says. You need to be sharing your faith. You need to help people discover your Lord. Now watch this. What happens once you've come to that place where you say, ah, the lights have come on. Now you get it. Now you you know that there is a God. You know he loves you. And you know that you need to have him in your life. 
Well, Jesus shares this wonderful little parable, just two verses long, and it's the parable of the pearl. Look at this. Matthew 13, 45 to 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. This man searching for precious pearls, that stands for anybody who's looking for the reason they're on this earth. Have you ever asked yourself that? Why was I born? Why am I here? And if I died, would it matter if I, if I did? Would anybody miss me? Why am I here? What's this life about anyways? And is there a God? And what's it all about? That's the person that Jesus is describing in this parable. That's who that merchant is. He's looking, looking for that one thing that will give him that sense of fulfillment. It's to find that choice pearl. This merchant is that man who says, there's got to be more. There's got to be something more to this life. Have you ever wondered that? got to be more than this. For some of us, we're just existing. We get up in the morning, we go to work, we eat our breakfast, and maybe not in that order. We read the newspaper, we listen to the radio, listen to the morons on the radio uh, on the way to work. Go to work, trudge through the day, come home, eat supper over the sink, sit down, watch TV, go to bed, and repeat. You think there's got to be more. I'm telling you, folks, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I've come to give you a new life. I've come to give you eternal life. That's what this merchant's looking for. That pearl, that pearl represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the truth. It's the key that unlocks everything, and suddenly everything makes sense. I can tell you, as a child, when I accepted Jesus into my life, I'm telling you, folks, I knew that I knew that I knew. I had the answer. I'd gotten the goods. I knew exactly what life was about, and I wanted to serve God for the rest of my life. But there's a cost involved. There's a cost involved. Oh, becoming a Christian, there's no cost involved in that. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. But to follow Jesus, now that's where the cost comes in. In fact, Jesus says, before you make that decision to follow Christ, you better count the cost. You better really think about what's involved in this. The Bible talks about that person as a superficial person. You know the one that puts bumper stickers on their car and and wears clothes with slogans on it, and, and then all of a sudden they're burnt out like that. No, there's a cost involved. This merchant sold absolutely everything he had so that he could follow Jesus. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now. Because I don't know if all of us are quite ready to do just that. And yet that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. You're saying, God, I am willing to give up everything so that I can have this gospel truth in my life. Following Jesus means that you're gonna give up maybe more than you expected. You say, Pastor Allen, what are some of the things I'm gonna have to give up? Well, you may have to give up some of your friends. Pastor Allen, now we're supposed to be nice to people who are sinners. Hey, listen, listen. Yeah, Jesus ate with the sinners. 
and the tax collectors and prostitutes and thieves and who knows what else. But I can tell you this, they didn't drag him down. He pulled them up. Marilyn Whitley told me after the first service, she, she remembered at age 14, when she became a Christian, she knew. Very quickly, she knew she had to give up her friends because they were dragging her down. You say, Pastor Allen, this sounds very harsh, very hard to do. Yep. But that's why you come to church on Sunday because here you're gonna meet with people who've got the same passion, the same goals, the same desire to please God. It might mean you've got to give up, give up a few friends. It might mean that you've got to give up a few habits. Now, you say, Pastor Allen, I thought you said that we didn't have to give up habits in order to follow Christ. I'm not, saying, I'm, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you've got to adopt some new ones. And we talk about the seven habits. It means you've got to change your attitude. It means you can't, you can't hate people anymore. You can't make that decision. I'm not going to love him anymore. I'm not going to love her anymore. Because that's not what a Christian does. It might mean you are going to be rejected by your family. I was by my grandma. She, she mocked me. She was cynical. She was skeptical. She put me down for loving Jesus. And I was prepared for that. Thank God that's all the real rejection I experienced. It means that you need to adopt a brand new lifestyle of devotion to Christ. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. But here's the thing. Once you discover God and your sins have been washed away and you have that sense of of being connected to God and you begin to really live, I'm going to tell you, you're willing to give up whatever it takes. You don't care because you just want God. That's what Alexander Chu discovered. He says, for months I prayed about how to tell my parents that I'd become a Christian. He said, I went home on the winter break and I brought with me a book written by a couple of Asian pastors and the name of the book was Following Jesus Without Dishonoring Your Parents. Very important in Asian culture. And his dad saw him sitting there reading this book, How to Honor Your Parents, or How to, how to Follow Jesus Without Dishonoring Your Parents. And he said, as I was reading that book, my dad looked at it and said, why are you reading a book called Following Jesus Without Dishonoring Your Parents? And when he asked why I was reading it, I told him that I'd become a Christian. You can imagine the shock and even the horror in his parents. He said, that evening, my dad, Everett the scholar, took my Bible to his office and spent hours reading it to learn about my new faith. And being from a collectivist culture, that is a culture that, that, that there's no loners here. We function as a team. He said it was extremely difficult because now I had not only turned against my parents, but I turned against my whole community. I turned against my religion. I turned against everything. Because my parents insisted that our family religion is Buddhism. My mom recognized Jesus as a humble man with good character, but said he is one of many gods. He said both parents held out hope that I would come to my senses and return to the Buddhist faith. Maybe some of you have experienced that. Your parents are waiting for you to give up your faith and 
thinking, well, it's just a phase. He'll get over it. She'll get over it. And before I tell you the conclusion of Alexander's story, I want to remind you once again that at the core of Christian teaching, at the core of our faith, is the simple fact that Jesus Christ is on the search for you. He's on the search for your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, your friends. And God wants to use you. You're going to be tempted to back off and don't want to offend and don't want to, don't want to harass or antagonize, but here's what you need to do. You need to be like Alexander Chu's friends who not only shared their faith, but modeled it. And that's going to mean you have to be nice to your kids, nice to your friends. Nice, you've got to be nice to them. You've got to be gentle. You've got to be kind. You've got to be consistent. You've got to win the right to speak into their lives. I'm going to tell you this today. If you're lost, God's not going to stop searching for you because that's why he sent his son. I'm going to tell you, all of God's energy in the universe is focused on one thing. God, you think it's running the universe. That's not it. All of God's energy is focused on one thing, and that's finding you and helping you come to faith in his son, Jesus. Why? Because he loves you, and he wants you to have a new life because he wants you to experience eternal life. Are you on the verge of discovery? Maybe you're feeling even now that tug of war going on in your heart, thinking, man, you know, I, I, I want to surrender to God. I want to just embrace it, but I'm scared. Look at no pressure, no panic. Take your time, but understand this, that God's going to keep on pressuring you until you come to that place where you receive what's best for your life. As the years passed, God's indwelling in my heart grew deeper, Alexander says. And I started to discern a call to the ministry. This young Buddhist now feeling called to be a pastor. He said, I told my parents about it, and, and, and my parents said that if I followed through with this plan, they would cut me off. That's the cost involved in following Christ. He said, obviously not wanting to disappoint or hurt my parents, I decided to stay and care for my father who just happened to be battling heart disease. He said, I continued to share with them my love. I continued to respect them and treat them well. And as time went on, my presence and my devotion to Christ built mutual respect and helped preserve our relationship. Now watch this. He says, my parents continue to share their Buddhist experiences with me, and I continue to share my faith with them. And my mom regularly prays to Jesus to bless me and to protect me. He says, God, it's not finished with my parents yet. Alexander Chu now is the outreach pastor of Christ Church in Illinois. And he's a doctoral candidate at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. All because... 12 students were willing to share their testimony, willing to witness to this young Asian student about what God had done for them. These 12 students who practiced, demonstrated what true Christian love is. And that was the turning point for him. 
God wants to use you to make a, dis- a difference in someone's life. My prayer today is that if you haven't yet put your faith in Christ, that today might be the day you can say, God, I get it now. I finally get it. I surrender. I'm giving up everything. I'm going to sell everything and come and follow you. Okay, you don't have to sell everything. But you know that now Jesus has got to be the main thing in your life. And if you've been busy praying for your family members, your loved ones, kids, whatever, listen to this. Listen, don't give up. Don't throw up your hands in exasperation and say, oh, well, there's no hope. Yes, there is. Because as much as you love your kids, God loves your kids and your neighbors and friends far more than you ever could. It ain't over yet, folks. It ain't over. Watch this uh, video clip with me, would you?